Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celtics Stuff Live debuted as a pre-recorded podcast in January of 2006 with host Jim J.B. Metz and Justin Jughead Poulin. After two practice attempts in June of 2006, the first live broadcast aired on draft night and lasted five and a half hours featuring John Duke, who would join CSL as a third full-time host later that summer. In the ensuing months, Celtics Stuff Live established a large internet following by filling a void for fans around the world. While the other New England sports franchises were collecting championships, the Celtics were largely an afterthought on the Boston sports scene. The next year, in 2007, the Celtics took another hit as they fell to the fifth overall pick in the draft lottery after a disappointing season. This was devastating news for Celtics fans. Similar to the prospects in this year's draft, Odin and Durant were the clear franchise-altering selections with the top two overall picks. But Danny Ainge would have to look in another direction to bring the organization back into contention for banner number 17. That night, Celtic Stuff Live was scheduled to air for six straight hours, packed with guests from traditional and new media. The show ran over by 49 minutes thanks to a bonus interview with Mike Gorman. It was a defining moment for the only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. As we approach what could be another pivotal moment in Celtics draft night lore, we will look back on the night that changed everything. The first step in a remarkable transformation process which saw the Celtics rise from almost worst to first, ultimately leading us all to believe that anything is possible. The Trailblazers are about to make their pick. Maybe we'll listen in on this one. I'm sure it's no surprise. Remember that time when we thought we'd be picking now? Yeah. Yeah. What a bummer this is. I mean, you know, and and you know what? I I will say, you know. With the first pick in the 2007 NBA draft, the Portland Trailblazers select Greg Oden from Ohio State University. Good for Greg. And there you have it. No surprise. <laughs> no surprise at all. Boy, it, it's, it's, it is, it's a little bit of a bittersweet moment, admittedly, Celtics fans. It, it's great that we're in a, having a situation where to, to be able to trade and potentially get Ray Allen and Robert Swift. Um, speaking of binkies, <laughs> that's Ainge's binky if there ever, ever was one. But, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit of a bittersweet moment right now. Uh, I, I admittedly, when we're talking all those all those different weeks about you know hoping to lose and uh, hoping that things are going down and that we're going to be able to get that the ping pong balls will drop the right way and you know it's it's sad you kind of wish that you know you were in that situation but uh, 
it is what it is and uh now we're you know it's uh, you can pick yourself up and you, and you do different deals and i i think there's a lot of people that in celtics nation uh if, if we're going to use that term they're going to feel pretty good about this deal uh if it does go down and and wei is correct then uh i think that, that there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be happy about that He's drinking, 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 drinking. welcome to part two of the celtic stuff live 2007 draft night revisited In this episode, we are going to follow the developments of the Ray Allen trade as they unfold, the details of which were not certain until late in the first round. Speculation of another move was rampant as fans and members of the media alike attempted to make sense of the transaction. We also have instant reactions to the Celtics' second-round picks, Gabe Pruitt and Glenn Davis. Other notables discussed from this draft include Jared Dudley, Tiago Splitter, and Mark Gasol. We hope you enjoy. With the fifth pick in the 2007 NBA draft, the Boston Celtics select Jeff Green from Georgetown University. By the way, before that the pick was made, Andy Katz was on, who gave some details of the deal. He was saying that Robert Swift is not in the deal, and interesting that that, that the deal is done, and, and Robert Swift is not a part of that. So, you know, we're gonna we're just gonna have to see if that's if that continues to be the case. Um, Eric made his his points known that that Swift is is the the linchpin of this deal, and uh, to not have Swift included in here, um, it, it, in my mind, and I agree with him, it, it raises the stakes on this dramatically, and you need to get a lot more out of a thirty two old two year old shooting guard than uh, than you may have needed to. In addition, you still have that need for a big guy, and uh, if if you did look for a future deal, you're and and you're including Al Jefferson in that, you still need. <laughs> you're going to get one guy, and you're going to need to get another. So um, we're just going to have to wait and see on this. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time that, that ESPN's gotten gotten the facts wrong, gotten the figures wrong, uh, but uh, that's that's how Andy Katz is leaving it right now. At least I was partially right that Jeff Green was chosen by the Boston Celtics. Unfortunately, it seems as though he's going to be headed to Seattle. Um, the need remains for a big guy, and that's and, and no matter what happens out of this, the team has just gotten it, it really. You could you could argue they've gotten smaller in some ways uh, because that number five pick should be, if you say it's Jeff Green, then and that's at least a guy who's to play in the three and the four. Now, this interesting. Where is Yee going to fall? Milwaukee's not going to take him. Well, um, I've heard I've heard that they do like him. I've heard Minnesota might like him. I've heard, I mean, I think everyone's been kind of dabbled in that in that mix, JB. I, I mean, I, admittedly, I think there are some that like him a lot more than others. But uh, well, the, any of the mocks that did not have Atlanta or Boston taking him at three and five have him dropping as far as nine, ten, eleven. Um, Chicago at nine. Now maybe we've got another deal brewing with Charlotte to jump in at eight and get Yee. Could be because if we don't have Swift, there's got to be another plan, and or there has to be the plan as somebody else suggested of getting in Garnett. Yeah, I, I don't see how you take Ray Allen at that age unless you're going to bring in uh, you know somebody else, and and they're, they're, we're still talking huge salary numbers. I mean, I I don't know this this Ray Allen move uh, with Swift. If you want to say that, well, he's got the same kinds of skills as Yee, but he's uh, got a couple of years in the league, and we get rid of Wally's. Uh, 
uh, salary. Um, you know, that makes some sense. Without Swift, uh, I'm wondering, uh, you know, where, where where's the beef? <laughs> where's the where's the beef? Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't, I don't, and I don't know that that he would be the answer. I, I, I don't, I, I haven't been convinced of that. I haven't been convinced that Spencer Hawes is the answer. I'm not sure that any big man outside of Greg Oden is the is you know supposedly the answer. But I think that that they are all pieces that could work towards that. And now we're in a situation where we are, uh, you know, we're we're wishing and hoping, and we don't have an opportunity to easily add that piece now without moving somebody we already have on the team. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about about consolidation, about trying to add more, you know, more quality players to the roster, and, and this is certainly a step in that realm. But it doesn't address the fundamental need of this team, which is big or defense or <laughs> I mean none of those items have been addressed those two keys have, have been completely ignored in this is in this deal if Robert Swift isn't a part of it yeah gotta, gotta see what's next uh, it, it is going to be an intriguing night as they have been for the last few years um, but I, I just uh, there's something missing there, there is a piece here that we're not seeing right now I, I just have that feeling um, but uh, what what is it I don't know but be curious to see where ye falls here we go ye he went to Milwaukee. Wow. There you go. So <laughs> Sausage Town. They'll uh yeah, this could be an interesting he may have just doubled the uh, Chinese population of Milwaukee Mills, Wisconsin. Congratulations. And there could be a trade there too. Could be, yeah. Could be. It, it it's I <laughs> I think you know, with where there was so much smoke this week, we have we should have a lot of questions about you know where are all these teams going? Eventually, some of these shoes have to drop. You know, we're right now in a situation with the Celtics where uh, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. With okay, you've made that deal. There seems to be okay. It seems like a when you have a, a long statement and then you say but, <laughs> and we're waiting for okay, what comes after that but? You know, what is what is the next piece of this? He's drinking chicken, chicken. Name keeps getting mentioned. Everybody knows that Danny has had a great fondness for Swift ever since he came out of high school. Um, there are some some interesting stories floating around about uh, some uh, lifestyle decisions, for lack of a better way to put it, that young Mister Swift has made, and he's turned into a, a bit of an interesting character. He's drinking Um So far, guys, not not too many surprises um, in the order of the draft, uh, and you can see why Seattle would want Jeff Green, can't you? I'm sorry if I you guys already hashed uh, this out, but I, I actually I think I, I think I. I'd actually take some question with that. I think you have uh, with Seattle, certainly they, they have a need in the front court there, um, but Green seems to fit that 3-4 as does uh, Kevin Durant, and, uh, and it seems like a bit of an odd fit there. Uh, uh, they have Riddenauer as their point guard, but I'm not sure anyone's really enamored with him. They tried to get the 11th pick. Um, you know, I, I, it seems to me that's a bit of an odd odd mix right there. So, um, But, you know, Sam Presti is, see what learned, he learned from, from the best in, in, in San Antonio, and he, you know, he's obviously learned a few things along the way. Well, here's my thing, John, though. I mean, if you have two guys, I mean, they're saying that, you know, Durant might be a little small for the four right now, but they know he's going to develop. Why not get a guy who's a little bit taller and tougher to play small forward next to him or vice versa? I mean, they're both a little undersized for the power forward, but they're both a little big for the small forward, and, and having them grow together may not be a bad thing, especially if Durant does fill out into the small forward, you know, into the power forward kind of body, and, you know, they've got time. They're obviously, you know, going to be rebuilt. And so they have time to deal with this. They don't mind losing and getting another lottery pick next season. Um, now that Ray Allen's going to be gone and, and likely Richard Lewis as well, um, I'd be interested to see if Luke Ridnauer sticks around because there's been rumors that he might get traded. I right. think this is a fire sale. Well, you know, first of all, what, one of my highlights of watching the draft every year is, is Dick Vitale. 
who comes on and, and slams every high school player and every international player and uh, makes every, every college collegiate player look like they're the next coming of Larry Bird and Michael Jordan combined. You know, it's awesome, baby. Oh, T.O. Oh, you know, give me a break. Hey, that's pretty good, Dookie. You got to pet down. You want, you want, I can, I can give you some more. He's a PT peer, baby. Oh, Corey Brewer. Give me a break. I love Dick, I love Dickie V, but he, he's, he's, he's a little too much at times. There's some speculation over on the Yahoo board that we uh, traded for Allen not to keep him, but to turn him over in a part of a deal for uh, Garnett. Wow. Man, this is a little bit of intrigue here, you know? This is uh, fantastic. I love this. This is, uh, I love being at the center of, you know, we, we, we watched six months of torture, torturous basketball. At least we can get one night where it's kind of fun to follow, I think. <laughs> That's the way I look yep. at it. Yep. Well, the things are jumping. But uh, it's going to take a lot of salary if, if Garnett really is coming here. It's uh, $22 million. Even what is Ratliff at 15? And, and Minnesota wants 11. to give up uh, uh, that point guard uh, that makes eight, nine, ten million million as well. Yeah, Hudson's at six. Yep, Hudson's at six. So that's yeah. almost $30 million. Well, you um, know, but, but the thing is, JB, is like we got to – I think that the problem is with him is it's Wick, Wick's got to write the check. That's the big thing. Well, we got to match the salaries. The, the salary cap has – you know, you got to bow down to the great salary cap god. Whether Wick will write the check or not, the salaries have to match within uh, what is it, twenty five percent. You know what? You know what's funny about the, and it, it seems like a lot of parallels with last the last draft. You know, uh, and that's not to say that that what was done last year is in any way comparable to this, because obviously, if you're comparing Rafe LaFrance to uh, to Ray Allen, you certainly aren't. You don't deserve to, to watch basketball, I don't think. Uh, but uh, come on, I, I, you know, come on, Wally, no. Zer- <laughs> Wally Zerbiak on two good knees was was a hell of a player, and he he was uh, as good a college player as Ray Allen, um, maybe better. He could do an awful lot of things. Now, he, yeah. he had uh, the, the bad knee injuries, and it, it hampered his game because he couldn't move anymore. But he was one of the best distributing big men I ever saw in college, and he could shoot lights out. He's a smart player and an unselfish player. I, he had a hell of a future uh, if he didn't. He lost his knees in college. He had his first uh, injury. Remember they said that they scoped out um, all of his ligament on that knee, the bone-on-bone knee, uh, while he was a sophomore in college. And he was still first-team All-American and, and took a little uh, Miami of Ohio into to the uh, was it the final eight? Yeah, yeah, I think it was the final eight. Yeah. Oh no, and I, I, I don't mean to disparage the fact, you know, what <laughs> what he had accomplished, but but the fact of the matter is now it's wh- where we are now. I mean, certainly they're both damaged goods. They both have big contracts. They both had you know more than one year left on those deals. The, well, the, we gave up Delonte West in a number five pick. Right, right, absolutely. But last year we gave up the number seven pick, and you know, yes, we gave up Delonte West, but we're also getting back not Sebastian Telfair. We're getting back Ray Allen. You know, yeah, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Back, I mean, on the know. back end, on the back end of this deal, last year we saved fifteen million dollars. On the back end of this deal, it's going to cost us fifteen because Ray Allen is a three-year deal. Wally's was a two. But, but Wally's expiring contract would have been very valuable next summer. It's gone now. Yes, but it's somebody else's money. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, JP, but but it's not our money. I mean, if if Wall if if Wick Grosbeck wants to spend a hundred million on this team, go go to it. I, I don't I don't care. <laughs> I want to see them win and i think that uh 
you know what no matter what the end end game is i mean certainly it's good good basketball sense for them to make that deal but uh He's chicken, chicken, chicken. but right now we've got tim weisberg on the line tim thanks for joining us hey no problem so how are you doing tim how's things going on down there no it's, it's actually pretty quiet here i mean uh it's, it's a lot less media than i expected i suppose if they had the first or second pick it'd be a little bit crazier but with uh with number five this is where you get a handful of uh media you got you're keeping your equilibrium you know i started this show tonight with uh those quotes you had a, from Red Auerbach, uh, or not quotes, uh, you, you, you're lead into your story this morning about Red uh, having been the best negotiator uh, always uh, in, in the past. I thought it was a, a, a nice article and, and a nice way to, to open the show. We thank you for that, remembering Red um, before well, we got you. started on this six-hour deal, because he's the reason we're all here. Absolutely. And and it seems to me like, uh, y- you know, when Danny Ainge took the job, uh, I, I thought for sure, you know, he would work under the tutelage of Red Auerbach. I don't know how much of that really did happen with uh, Red failing health in later years, but I mean, you got to think this is a guy who saw all these moves when he played here in Boston and, and saw what Red could pull off. So, so hopefully he has a little bit of that shrewdness in him. You know, you're taking a chance with with Ray Allen because you know he did have that ankle surgery, but it seems like he's going to be fully recovered. He is going to be 32 years old next month, and he's on the books for three more years. So, I mean, you're getting rid of Wally's contract for somebody who you got to expect wouldn't play uh, just because the guy can't stay on the court. But you are kind of handcuffing yourself, you know, in, in 2009, 2010, if you need some of that money to re-sign some of these younger guys. It's Proof's in the pudding, but tonight it, uh, it sounds good. Yeah, well, it all sounds good on draft night, you know, JB. That's where it always goes. <laughs> Sebastian Telfair seemed like the point guard of the future a year ago, so. <clears throat> right through to uh, Summer League. Did you see some of those games, uh, Tim? He looked pretty good in Summer League. Yeah, Remember I that? mean, uh, everybody YouTube the uh, the Telfair to Green dunk. That was just ridiculous. But, uh, you know, we, well, we really can't base things on Summer League or else Marcus Banks would still be here. If, if they do trade West, are you confident? confident that Rajon Rondo can can handle the the full-time point guard duties here for this team? Well, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think they're going to try to pick up some sort of veteran point guard on the cheap. Uh, you know, similar to like somebody like a, a Chucky Atkins, one of these guys that you know during the last couple of years, uh, somebody that can just come in and and step in to be the starter and then give up that job in a couple of months when Rondo's a little bit more ready. Uh, but you know, hey, he's a guy that you can throw out there for his playmaking skills. And with Ray Allen on the floor, with Paul Pierce on the floor, with Al Jefferson in the paint, who cares about Rondo's shot with that kind of lineup out on the floor? As long as he can play defense, which we know that he can, and as long as he can get those assists, which we know that he can. So th- to me, that's good enough. Let him learn on the fly for a team that, you know, can progress to the playoffs you know, with mediocre play out of the out of the point guard position. Ray Allen's yep. uh, averaging, what, 4.5 assists a game? Yeah. 4.1 yep. assists a game? He, Paul Pierce averages about that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You don't need to have... I, I think that's I think that's a very good point. I mean, he, Ray Allen is, is very West-like, except a heck of a lot better player. It's uh, going to be very tough uh, for Rajon Rondo if it's Pierce, Jefferson, uh, uh, Perkins, and and. Allen uh, with Rondo that it, it doesn't seem to gel it uh, he almost begs for us to be now trading Pierce. Uh, just doesn't seem right. I gotta think something else is coming along with everybody else, I guess. I think everybody's just kind of waiting now to see what that deal is uh, with Seattle. I mean, Luke Ridenauer could be coming here. Who knows? That's why I was wanted to try to get that in while Tim was on. But Bullpet, when he talked about that possible trade, he said it might have some legs, but it would not be um, just the Ray Allen. He said it, it would expand and that there might be several players involved. So well, there really might be uh, two, three, four players uh, coming and going. Um, we really won't know. Uh, you know, and you said they, they might announce it at the end of the 
the first round. Does Portland have another pick? In, uh, does Seattle have another pick in this draft? Uh, good question. I, I uh, let me just quickly take a look here. I don't not believe. Fir- I don't the believe. First round. Right. That's why I was going right to the second round. Yes, they do. They have the fifth pick of first, the fifth and the first pick of the second round. So the thirty-first and the. <laughs> 30, 33, 34, 35, 36th pick. <laughs> so they've got two more picks, high second-round picks. Interestingly, um, it, 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 you know, when we have the second and they have the first, uh, that could become important later. If there's that one guy that falls uh, that Danny wants, uh, maybe we swap picks in that round. I got a little news from uh, Robbie from Seattle. I love news. Um, yeah, well, the, the uh, Seattle GM is saying it's the 35 pick, not the 31st pick. I was just going to, yeah, I was. I saw that, and, and EEI is also confirming that, that Swift is not in the deal and that it is 35 instead. So that seems to be the, that's it. So to recap for everybody, we have Wally Zerbiak, Delonte West, Mr. Wyahanga himself, and uh, the number five pick, which became Jeff Green for Ray Allen and uh, the 35th pick in the draft. So that's the deal. Got, that's and, got, Go ahead, sorry. I got a straight conjecture. How about turning Ray Allen over for uh, Andre Carolina? I, you know, good question. Um, <laughs> Kirilenko obviously fills a need. I don't know. I, I, you know what? To be honest with you, I don't know that I'd do that. And he's 26 years old. Yeah, he is 26, but but his salary is is comparable as well. And I don't, you know, although it fills a need, he's not really a traditional big. I mean, my thought is you draft somebody at five who is your, you know, your 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 traditional big man, and then you have Kirilenko because he's good defensively, but more of like a three four, someone who slides back and forth. But uh, his his best his best years were playing the four. Yeah, I he's he's had trouble at the three, but he he was uh, he, he was outstanding as a power forward before they got Boozer. He he just seems to me he seems small to, for that I, I, and maybe it's it's an Eastern Conference thing more than West I mean I don't know I I just feel like he's too small to play that on a on a for a consistent basis the odd thing is is that he's been more injured as a three you know since they got Boozer and Okur uh, he's had more injuries in the last two three years than he has you know before when he was playing the you know against larger players so. His back, uh, his back has been an issue, and anytime you hear back, maybe yeah. worse than the ACL now. That's right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, do you have a couple guys that you're looking at? I mean, besides Capone. At this point, there's nobody. Um, everybody else, uh, you know, that I was hoping would slide down is gone. Um, well, Glenn Davis is still there, the uh, big kid from LSU. Um, they called him Baby Shaq. I presume he's going to get picked uh, in the next two or three picks. I don't think he'll last. Um, but obviously, at this point, I'm looking for a point guard and hoping for Caponin. But uh, I think uh, Phoenix might take him at 29 or San Antonio at 28. Um, that's what they were supposed to be looking at. And I, I don't see any real... Uh, Real droppers uh, uh, left, John. I don't. I don't see anybody. Rudy Fernandez is still out there. Daquan Cook, Josh McRoberts, uh, Duke. Um, but they're they're probably all going to go in the next uh, three, four picks, and that's about where they were supposed to go. I'm trying to I'm trying to see if there's anybody that has really fallen, and and I don't think so. Looking at the mocks, uh, I'm seeing. Uh, you know, everybody pretty much has gone where they're supposed to go within a couple of places. So, you know, Danny must have something up his sleeve for, for those two for those two spots. We'll just have to wait and see. Is anybody you got your eye on, John? Splitter, uh, Fernandez is one. Um, you know, I, I no Dudley really doesn't do it for me. Although apparently he was lighting up the uh, you know his workouts, so a lot of people were happy with him, and they thought he could go as early as you know the middle of the first round. But uh, this is definitely an area where I think he's gonna people are gonna look for him, and I think Philly is a team that really liked him as well. 
We got uh, looks like uh, Utah's making their pick right now, um, which and Morris Almond from Rice. So. Component's still on the board, JB. I, I, I'm fully in favor of going to get Splitter. I mean, I think, and, I, and we'll hear more from Fabio on this later on for certain, but at this point, a guy who is potentially a top 10, I don't think we're looking at, at, a, at a magic lamp situation where he was he was supposedly a top 10 guy and he falls to 30 you know splitter i think the primary reason why he's dropped this far is because of his buyout issues and uh and, and lamp was in a similar situation but but it was entirely about those buyout issues i i don't think everyone's seen him and and certainly what he brings to the floor the only issue we would have is certainly his ability to uh to body up with a guy and uh, that seems to be something that that's a weakness for him but you know at this point it's better than it's better than anything else out there. I'm not sure that big baby Glenn Davis does a lot to uh, to satisfy uh, the Celtics fans out there. Nick Fazekas doesn't do a whole lot for me. I've seen Josh McRoberts a lot of Duke, and trust me, we want to go the opposite direction of Josh McRoberts. So, again, I'm looking big right there. If you could get Caponin and, and, and Splitter, boy, that would be... Uh, I'd be happy with that. Well, Fabio is not going to agree with you. He, he's never been a splitter fan. Um, he thinks he's lazy, uh, doesn't really exert himself, um, has a nice defensive game. I think he's uh, known as a strong force inside, but very lackadaisical on offense, uh, can go long periods of time without scoring uh, or, or, or and and not very athletic. But uh, we will. We'll, Fabio will have a lot to say about splitter. Um, he, he's been very vocal over the last three years. Um, and interesting Interesting. You should mention both Fazekas and McRoberts because going back to uh, Justin reminded us uh, the Hollinger um, report. Um, he had Nick Fazekas number seven and Josh McRoberts. Roberts number eight um, in his listing of the of the top ten and Glenn Davis number twelve. So now we have three guys in uh, Hollinger's top twelve. You know, any one of them now uh, we're, we're we're at uh, twenty six. So um, looks like one of those guys might be dropping. And it looks like that uh, San Antonio took Splitter. So excellent. So excellent. which is interesting though because uh, they also have Luis Scola that who is also under their ownership too. And there was some thought that they need to do something with him. That this summer, so I, I don't know. I don't know how that impacts things, but that certainly a lot of things to ask uh, Fabio about again in the next hour. So stick around yeah. and. Well, their other European power forward has opted out. Yes, uh, yes, Alberto. Alberto, yeah. he's, he's decided not to come back to San Antonio next year. So maybe Splitter is uh, the guy to take his place. But that's great. Now we got to get through Phoenix at this pick. Admittedly, I wanted to see Splitter. <laughs> Come there, but that's okay. Hey, we we move on, you know. So yeah, wait till wait you speak to Fabio. You will not want uh, Splitter on the team. I, I, I love I love Fabio, but I, I <laughs> we can always have a difference of opinion. You know what I'm saying? Well, except that he he's seen him play 400 times, John. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure. But I've seen people the stateside. I disagree with and I and I don't know that they have any more uh, right to agree disagree. We can disagree on a lot yeah. of things. Have, so. have you ever seen Splitter? I just just no more than like YouTube clips, like you know with. Yeah, same diff. With the 32nd pick in the 2007 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Gabe Pruitt from the University of Southern California. Wow. Gabe also one of the players who chose to come Interesting. to New York on his own for the draft. A nope. junior guard. <laughs> Fabio IM me about 15 minutes ago, and he says, I know, you know, uh, Gabe Pruitt's still on the board. 
I know you want Capone. And, uh, and I, I laughed and said, uh, Gabe, who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fabio, Fabio nailed that one. Wow. Well, we'll have to get his thoughts on that when he comes on later. Yeah, he's and he is coming on pretty soon. I think some people think some really nice things about this guy. So I'm watching some highlights right now. And, um, you know, I like what I see. He's, he seems like a little bit of a Reggie Miller type. He's a little thin. Um, he's not as tall as Reggie, but, uh, you know, it says must improve strength is one of the things that they're talking about on ESPN. He's 6'4", 170, junior. What do you know about Gabe Pruitt? Um, well, I... I... A little bit, you know. He's he's the type of player that you know they they put him down as a guard, and I think one thing I want to ask Eric about is whether or not you know this is a, a pure point guard. Is this a guy who is uh, you know kind of a combo guard? He is. I mean, for everything that I have known of him, is he's, he's a fairly heady player. You know, he's a hard hard worker. He's a, he's the type of guy that uh, you know that that is a solid player with the second pick. But I think we've got the second pick here with the thirty fifth pick. In the 2007 NBA Draft, the Seattle Supersonics select Glenn Davis from Louisiana State oh, big University. Baby. Oh. Big baby. Big baby in green. And that's Seattle. So, guys, you see there, we, we draft a ton of combo guards, and we draft undersized power forwards. That's that seems to be our mo in the second in the second round. We draft we draft point guards who maybe or maybe not be point guards, and we draft uh, power forwards who are under six nine. The second that's you know it's interesting. Apparently there was a report that uh, he twisted his ankle in the his in the last workout before the draft, and so it appears that he's you know he's got a, a bum ankle right now. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, what the prognosis is on that. Obviously, no one was really – I wasn't paying that close of attention because he wasn't going to be pit, chosen fifth. But uh, he certainly is a player who has been very uh, – you know, was very productive at LSU in, in a number of uh, – in fact, in the last – in his McDonald's game, I think it was two years ago, uh, he was kind of the surprise in, entrance in there and – He's dropped a lot of weight in the past year, you know, especially in the workout period. You know, a lot of people were very impressed. I don't know that he ever. I think there were still a lot of questions about him. I'd be, again, interested to hear what Eric has to say about Big Baby. But you know, he he was certainly has a great deal of potential there. But he did obviously didn't have enough to be a first round pick. Well, going going back to uh, John Hollinger's. Uh Moneyball uh, estimates. Uh, he was the number twelve player in this draft ahead of Sean Williams, ahead of Jeff Green. <laughs> I suppose what, uh, this is this will be a good test for it because yep, yep. Uh, Ainge took two players, major conferences, who you know played for for you know fairly successful teams last year, and uh, you know I, we'll see if how productive they are in the in the bigs. But I wonder where you know where Big Baby Davis fits in with uh, Leon Poe. He's drinking, drinking, drinking. Joining us now is Mike Gorman. Mike, uh, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show again. Hey, my pleasure, guys. I always enjoy coming on with you. What do you think? Well, I, I like the deal, to be honest with you. I mean, I know we ha we don't have all the details, but I think it's a much. I think it's a nice upgrade to have Ray Allen um, at shooting guard and Pierce playing the more natural small forward position, where having uh, Pierce and Wally before was a little unnatural. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a very good uh, observation. That's pretty much Doc Rivers' feel on the whole thing. That uh, you know, Paul always liked to start the game as a two guard because he wanted to be in the all star balloting as a two guard and not as a three uh, small forward. Um, he may 
have to uh, you may have to give up on that notion now that uh, that Ray Allen is here. But uh, yeah, it, you know, again, I, I was excited about the possibility of getting Yi in here. I think he I think he's going to turn out to be a fine NBA player. But I also understand the need when you run a professional franchise to uh, to win and and uh, to, to to start to uh, set a new tone to things. And so if the, if the Celtics end up going and now there still may be another shooter fall in this, but if the Celtics end up going into the season with I, 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 a core of young players led by Al Jefferson, Rajon Rondo, and Gerald Green, and then the veterans are Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and maybe still another pickup uh, still to come, um, that's a pretty good starting spot for this team. Mike, you had you know alluded to the idea that it would have been nice to have to maybe had an opportunity to see what Yee could do in a Celtics uniform. I, I wonder what your maybe what your thoughts are on having moved the number five as well as Delonte and and uh, Wally and not able to get a, a big guy or someone who's you know specifically a, a, a defense oriented person. Maybe maybe you know not maybe a walk out of this draft with someone who is um, who fills the needs that the team is looking for. Any concerns in your mind about that? Well, yeah, I, I am a little bit concerned about that. I mean, I, I, again, I, w- I would like to, although I, d- I don't necessarily think of Sean Marion as a great defensive presence, but I, I guess he, he certainly is a better defender than Ray Allen. Ray Allen is known as a kind of a non-defender, frankly. Um, you know, I mean, there, there, there is a prevailing belief in the Eastern Conference that if you can put together two or maybe three very, very good players, you can really turn things around very quickly and, and make great strides. I do think the Celtics are still thinking about the idea of Ratliff's contract and and Al Jefferson for Garnett, um, and 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 the long term plan would be to put to have Garnett, Pierce, and Allen play together. How important is it that Theo's deal was being kept out of the equation, and that they were able to put Wally in this deal? What do you think about that? I mean, it seems like that's well, a kind of important. a coup in the deal, don't you think? Yeah, I do think that was very yeah, that, that's very good because I mean I I don't I hope well, Wally's a real nice kid, and I and I hope he ends up having more productive years in, in Seattle. But you know, Wally really looked pretty brittle um, from. from where I sat over the course of the time that he's been in Boston. So to be able to get out from under another 20-something million dollars that was owed to Wally over the next couple of years um, and be able to keep the Oratlas contract and, again, keep hopes alive if you're one of the people who are hoping that, that uh, you know, Kevin Garnett could ultimately end up here. You know, my, I actually heard this afternoon that, 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 and I don't know if this is true, but that Kevin McKay was down to one offer of Charlotte's number eight pick on the table for Garnett, that everything else had just kind of like dried up and gone away on, from the Celtics' point of view because they didn't want to give up Jefferson. And um, from other people's point of view, that Phoenix didn't want to give up Stoudemire and that three-way deal that was long rumored with Atlanta. So Kevin McHale is in a tough spot here right now, and he's pretty much told everybody that they can be shopping Kevin Garnett and ticked off Kevin Garnett. Kevin's not happy. He doesn't feel like he's been told. He's finding things out in the newspapers. Seems to be a major communication breakdown there, and now Kevin McHale has no real deals to make. You know, again, I think that Ratliff contract allows the Celtics to still, if they want to, participate in Kevin Garnett's discussion. Yeah, it seemed to me with Ray and coming at his age that uh, you know it almost was uh, a concession to that move and that they're going to maybe compete for the world championship for the next two years I mean if they if they did get Garnett I mean they'd give up Jefferson sure um, that would hurt but uh, man we'd, we'd have one hell of a team here wouldn't we I think John's got a question for you, and then we'll let you go. I know you got a busy night, and we'd sure. l- we'd love to hear back from you later on if you hear anything. That would that would be. Uh, yeah, how long are you guys gonna be on? We're on until midnight, Mike. We're going six hour oh, yeah. marathon. All right, <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll I'll definitely be back here. Appreciate Excellent. that. When, whenever Willie May gets quiet in the background. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he is loud. We can hear him. 
we, we can hear him over the airwaves over here, Mike. Wow. <laughs> the coach. Uh, I want, uh, uh, let me ask, I, I haven't seen, we're kind of watching the, the coverage in the background, and I didn't know if, if Tommy was there and, and if you and he had, had all talked about his thoughts about having Ray Allen in a Celtics uniform. Yeah, no, Tommy's here. Tommy's happy with the, with the Ray Allen deal. He doesn't like to see Delonte go. Um, and we both like Delonte, both on and off the court. He's an interesting cat off the court. And, and I have always maintained that, that he can be a very solid player uh, on a very good team. But Ray Allen's a very solid player. So, I mean, Tommy has, Tommy's gave a thumbs up to the deal to me um, because he thinks that they'll get us more wins starting in October. Um, what Tommy does not want to see happen, um, he doesn't want to see Al Jefferson leave this team. So I think if the Celtics should make any deal they want right now, and, and Tommy would be okay with it as long as it doesn't include Al. We're going to be having Mike Fine on. He's actually joining us right now. Mike, thanks for coming on and taking the time to speak with us. My pleasure. What uh, what are you hearing about this trade, and in your personal opinion, is this the right direction for the Celtics? Well, it depends. I mean, uh, from what I gather, something else is, is, is in the works, because it doesn't make sense as, as it stands. Um, you know, I, I think we all know Ray Allen is a great player, he's a great scorer, but what does he bring the Celtics other than a little more offense for one year? Uh, in my way of thinking, it almost duplicates what Pierce does, at least offensively. Pierce definitely does a little bit more, and again, that that's a problem in bringing in Allen. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, it's nice that they could they could get rid of Serviak, but what really bothers me is that they had a number five pick. They had a chance to pick up a, a kid out of college, a really strong kid out of college who could play some defense, which is what this team needs, and they just threw that away. So that just leads me to believe that Ainge isn't stupid, and he's got to do something else. So I, I really think something else is in the wind. What do you think that something else might be? Do you think the Kevin Garnett stuff is going to get rekindled? Well, you know what? It's still alive. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to tell you I really know anything other than I'm hearing rumors that it's still alive. Now you bring in Kevin Garnett with Pierce and Allen, and now you've really got something. Uh, that's a big financial hit, but uh, you know if that's what they're doing and they're they're willing to do it, you know, good for them. And I think that'll be terrific. But again, uh, you know, who knows? Garnett says he doesn't want to play here. He's, he's got to agree to certain conditions. Uh, you know, financially, contract, contractually. Uh, if that can happen, that'd be great. But again, I, I'm not really sure. Well, what about what do you think about like Nick? Young. I mean, um, that was one of the guys that they brought in here at the last minute. I'm kind of thinking they're going to trade up somewhere and try and grab Nick Young. Do you think that's a possibility of maybe not a bigger deal tonight, but trying to move back into the draft to grab one of those guys that they worked out that maybe was later in the draft or maybe trying to grab a slider? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's a good thought. Um, I don't know if they're going to. Nick Young's a hell of a player and, you know, someone who could definitely help them. Uh, if they do that, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I, I wish I could be more specific. Uh, well, no, uh, no, Mike. You know, it's uh, you know, I know it's not uh, it's not a problem that you don't have details. We're, we like to just yeah. bandy about some yeah. some ideas, and you know, Danny um, obviously has have propensity for trading back into the first round. He's done it the last few right. years. It just yeah. would seem, you know, that all the signs are kind of there, but it, obviously it never means that that's what they're going to do. But Gorman, Mike Gorman, would said he was in, uh, you know, in with the guys, and they did not look like they were sitting on their hands right now. That they were definitely having a lot of conversations. So certainly, I think. Regardless, if we don't know the details, it does seem like there is more that's going to happen. Maybe you know, if not tonight, then um, you know, over the over the weekend and and through to July first, when uh, you know the free agents can start signing. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's face it, they they can work on this all summer if they want. There's, there's no hurry to get anything done tonight. Uh, and you know, the, the fact that they're they're doing a lot of talking in, in their command room doesn't really mean a lot because they're probably just talking about the second round picks too. But uh, 
I, I would like to think that talking about picking up a player who can really play and play some defense. You know, you know I, I just kind of get a kick out of these guys. Um, Don Rivers admitted a couple weeks ago he doesn't even coach defense. I mean, maybe it's not that simple, but he, he almost said that. He said all they work on is offense. And at some point you got to start playing some defense. And, and this was a, an opportunity to pick up a defensive player, and, and they didn't do it. So, Again, I uh, I think something might be going on. Excellent, John. Do you uh, you got any questions for for Mike? Yeah, Mike. Uh, first of all, I I'm a, I agree with you on with your take on this trade, 110. percent I think there's there's a lot of questions left to be answered from it. I, I wondered maybe what if if you were if your thoughts are kind of the mood there. The, the, kind of what the mood is around the uh, the, the press corps, I guess. Are, are they? I mean, has anyone kind of talked? And, and, and you get any feeling of of where the general feeling is about this deal? Are they generally supportive of the idea that that uh, we're bringing in a, a veteran all star, or you know, are, or are you are you a lone wolf here? <laughs> I'm oh, no, with oh, you. No. I, I think I represent my my uh, my fellow writers here. Uh, none of us can really understand this. I mean, you're talking about a really good player, but a good player who just had surgery. <laughs> both ankles and hasn't even been back on the court yet from what I understand so uh, we're, we're all uh, uh, you know a little stunned and, and just waiting for another shoe to drop yeah uh, and that's and that seems to be looking in the pit and looking at some of our you know our chat rooms and whatnot that we have that seems to be kind of the, the going consensus on this and yeah um, now I mean I, ju- I just hope Danny is just not making a trade for the sake of making a trade you know so uh, that that leads me to believe that um, he's probably not uh, you know I have I do have a little faith in Danny and uh, I'd, I'd like to think he knows what he's doing. It, it does seem odd that that a guy who's you know whose apparent best skill is in drafting the guys has taken two opportunities to draft people high in the draft and turn them down. That, that is an yeah. odd. That's an odd thing for you know just as a kind of an interested observer. I mean. You know, I, I share your uh, faith in Danny, um, especially as a drafter. Trades have, have maybe not been his uh, best uh, uh, skill so far. And I, I wanted to bring up sometime tonight, and this is as good a time as any, um, Ian Thompson of Sports Illustrated has made this point in the past in print. He was on WEI this week, and he noted that while the Celtics have great draft scouting, and Ainge knows an NBA player, NBA player and sees one in the draft, they are the worst in the NBA when it comes to scouting players that are in the NBA, including including their off-court and injury issues, I think he said, this somebody was paraphrasing Thompson's interview, I think he said they have no pro scout, not an advanced scout who scouts opponents, but a player scout whose job is to scout and research the background of potential acquisitions. Um, he made it sound as though this willful blindness is a widely known issue with the Celtics front office. As I said, this isn't the first time this has come up. Um, um, has has uh, ever reached your ears, Mike? Anything to this uh, notion? Well, I mean, I thought about it a little, and I think there's a lot to that. I mean, they, they do a terrific job of scouting college players and and, and the like. Um, you know, Leo Papil and, and be, you know Chris Wallace before he left, I thought did a terrific job, and Ainge did a lot of scouting himself. But as far as uh, you know, staying on top of pro. Pro players, uh, I'd have to agree with that. I, I don't see the concerted effort. Uh, I'm not really sure what size staff other teams have, but I suspect it's larger than what the Celtics have. They just don't seem to have many guys uh, spread out or, around the country. I, I remember back in the 80s, hell, they used to have a European scout. They used to have scouts all over the place. I, it just doesn't seem like that's the case now. So uh, I think there might be something to that. Joining us now is Scott Souza from the Metro 
West Daily News. Scott, thanks for coming on. No problem, guys. What's the uh, what's the reaction in uh, Hardcoreville tonight? Well, I I happen to like this trade, but I think everybody is uh, hoping or assuming that there's a that there's a, another move to be made after this. Uh, you know, to really lift them up into contention. Right now, they're a playoff team, but are they a championship contender? It's you know, it's kind of it's still debatable a little bit. But uh, people don't want to give up Al Jefferson, so you know, at the same time, uh, I don't know how much of a move they can make from here. But yeah, I think some people are still crossing their fingers for Kevin Garnett. How about yourself? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you, the one problem that you start to have here is that, that you start to really get up there in salaries when you start adding Pierce's salary and Allen is pretty much a max contract guy for another three years. From that perspective, that was my first reaction is they, you know, I like Delonte West a lot. I know he's friends with Paul Pierce. In terms of what you were thinking you were going to have to give up and in terms of what you actually gave up to bring in a guy who averaged 20, what, 26 points, four points a game last year. I mean, this isn't just score off the bench. This is one of the premier scores in the NBA. And you brought him in for, for for a fifth pick, a lot of people, you know, didn't really want anyways. A uh, contract and Wally that people wanted to try to get rid of. And, you know, Delonte West, a nice player who is a nice player. So um, I think from that perspective, I'm, I'm surprised at how negative a lot of the reaction has been around here. The only thing I could think of is that people really had their hearts set on Garnett, and anything short of Garnett was not going to uh, satisfy the masses. You know, I'd like to see him get another piece, but, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily even be a big man. I like keeping Al Jefferson. With these two guys, I mean, I just, I can see them getting a veteran point guard and you know still maybe they're not quite championship contenders but I think they're dangerous and I think they could be championship contenders before Ray Allen and, and Paul Pierce uh, contracts expire. Yeah I mean they're certainly going to be uh, interesting and exciting to watch. I think they probably will at some point have to get another point guard. I don't think you go into next season with Rajon Rondo and uh, Sebastian Telfair as your two point guards. I would have felt better about this deal if you if you substitute Telfair for West. Obviously that probably wasn't an option or they would have exercised it. You know my whole take is this. You bring in Ray Allen you have Paul Pierce as two very good players but as they get up in years, you, you really haven't traded any of the big young pieces yet. So you're not really giving up on the future to bring in Ray Allen. You're giving up on Delonte West. Again, he'll he'll be missed. It's not one of those things where you, you've gone all in with a veteran where it's winded or bust. You've decided to become a better team. You probably hope to, to make a move after that to become an even better team after that. You haven't given up on the young nucleus of guys. You didn't include a Kendrick Perkins in the trade. You didn't include a Rajon Rondo on the trade. Uh, you didn't include Daryl Green on the trade. And you, you still brought in a guy who was one of the top scorers in the NBA last year. So from that perspective, uh, again, I'm, I, I can see people questioning the trade, not being overjoyed with the trade. I'm surprised that it's been this negative, at least around here. Well, I'll weigh in a little bit on that side, and I'm not sure that uh, I, 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 you know, have have decided yet until I see, you know, what, what else is going to drop. But the downside here is that we gave up the highest. Uh, draft pick that we've had in years um, a kid with perhaps all-star potential in ye and secondly um, we're picking up another guy with uh, what do you have surgery on both ankles Paul Pierce's elbow uh, has uh, been a problem even a year after he had surgery um, he had a so-called stress reaction in his foot the real downside here is that Ray Allen and Paul Pierce uh, each play 30 games next year yeah and that's, that's a possibility I mean that you know Ray Allen did he had a bone spur surgery which is not a debilitating injury presumably he'll be able to come back from that he's a player that you know again you don't know what's going to happen with a guy in the future but he's not exactly a Wally Zerbiak that spent you know seven or eight years banging to the floor and just kind of accumulating wear and tear on his body he's the type of guy where you could see playing well into or even a Paul Pierce that takes a lot of punishment Allen's the type of guy who you could see playing into his mid to late 30s so I don't know if age is 
as big a concern with Ray Allen as it might be with a more physical player. You know, I talked to a couple of people. I actually talked with Sean Grandy about this recently. You know, everybody, when you hear of Celtics move, people start saying, is that the move that brings in the title? You have to get back into the conversation before you even start thinking about the move that puts you over the top. And the Celtics right now were not in the conversation. I think they made a move to get themselves back into a conversation. And then, you know, veterans from other teams who wouldn't have considered the Celtics before maybe then turn around and look at Boston and say, you know, that's a place. They have some pieces there. Maybe I'll sign a mid-level deal there. Maybe I wouldn't be opposed to a trade there. And, and things start building off itself. You don't go from the second-worst team in the league to being on TNT every Thursday night overnight. Well, I'm hearing right now that there's buzz that a KG deal might be coming in the next 48 to 72 hours. Um, I don't know if the Celtics are involved in that or not, but uh, it certainly would make a lot of sense. I mean, you bring in Ray Allen, it certainly might help change Garnett's mind about coming to this franchise. Um, but I know a lot of people, you know, it was up on uh, up on the Boston Herald site, I believe, that it was something like 90% of the people don't want to trade Al Jefferson for Kevin Garnett. So you think people were negative now. He's chicken, chicken. Sean Grandy has a few minutes to speak with us, so we're going to bring him right onto the show. He broke the, the Ray Allen story as far as I'm concerned, uh, we've we've tra- we've uh, tracked it back to him. Sean, thanks a lot for taking the time to come on, and uh, you know, good work breaking this story. I wonder, are you excited? I, I think you're still, you know, when you're in this mode, uh, we all are tonight. Uh, you know, all of us, whatever we're doing, you guys too. You're sort of on the air, and you're doing a lot of things. And you're trying to process something, which after a month of thinking about other things, this has sort of been a curveball. Something that only really came strong in the last 12 to 24 hours. So, well, let me trying to process it. My, my first reaction would be, quite simply, this is not going to be all there is. That this is the first step of something also big, maybe bigger. But, you know, on the surface right now, it doesn't seem to me as if the Celtics are going to have a lineup of Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Rondo, Jefferson, and Perkins as your starting five. It doesn't seem like a lineup that uh, I think there's some, some scorers on the other side around the league that might be pretty excited playing against that lineup. But I'm not sure that's, a, that's the team that the Celtics are going to have in a couple months. So let me ask you, is it, um, is it a curveball or a pre? Cursor. That's kind of what you're indicating. You think definitely something can, else can it, be, it can be both. Yeah. I think it's a curveball of a precursor because at my first reaction in writing it all down was the Celtics just acquired a marquee player, one of the great scorers of this NBA generation, and acquired that second player to play with Paul Pierce that we've been waiting for, that other star quality player, and they have done it without giving up either Al Jefferson or Theo Ratliff. And that says you still have two of your biggest trade chips, not to mention future first-round picks. You still have big trading chips, and you, if we're going to wander back to the conversation, uh, speaking of breaking stories and initiating conversation, I believe it was a couple of Sunday nights ago when I was first trying to get you guys to talk about Kevin Garnett, because at that time, nobody was talking about it. And here we are, two weeks later, and that ship has not sailed. Nobody else has been able to put a deal together, and the Celtics are still holding two of the key chips that Kevin McHale covet in any Kevin Garnett trade. So that's my first reaction to the event of the night. Well, Sean, we've, we've obviously been talking about that. Uh, since the trade, um, the fact that uh, those chips are still in place. Um, what do you think about the possibility of maybe Paul Pierce going to L.A., Kobe going to Minnesota, and Garnett coming here? Uh, not completely out of the question. Uh, you know, Ray Allen changes the Paul Pierce game. Now, there are there's one school of thought that says this was, you know, of all the players that were considered untouchable, that the Celtics were building around Paul Pierce. And uh, Paul Pierce, I can tell you, is ecstatic 
That's the news that Ray Allen is coming here. So I, I think what it does is that it keeps the Celtics very much in the forefront and in the game of any of these deals. Now, what we found, and again, we talked about this a couple of Sundays ago, that goal of Danny Ainge for four years has been to accumulate assets, younger players, contracts, and that's why virtually nothing is discussed here. None of these major deals are being discussed in the NBA without the Celtics either being principals or a second or a third or fourth team involved in them because they have all the right pieces. And now with Ray Allen, you know, contractually, it's hard to envision a team with those three guys uh, in particular on it. Ray Allen has a big contract, and it does give you the opportunity to move Paul Pierce. There is there is no question. Wouldn't that be something to, to ponder? Uh, the, the idea that the Knights started trying to build around Paul Pierce and it's a summer that could conceivably end with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen as well, your as your axis. Well, let's, yeah, let, oh. well, let's talk about that a little bit, Sean, because when Danny Ainge came on, he you know he traded uh, Antoine Walker and he got a mixed re, you know mixed reaction there, and he said his goal all along was to acquire uh, a number of tradable assets. He never really said that those tradable assets were then going to be used to, to rein in some big fish, but I think it was pretty much implied. Um, you know, can you really knock Danny Ainge at this point? I mean, his patience and uh, etc. It, it does look like it could possibly be coming to fruition. Um, his plan all along, we've heard that, the plan. Um, you know, if he does pull this off, um, all of a sudden, you know, people have been saying so many negative things in the national media about the Celtics. Do they all of a sudden turn into gods in the national media's eyes? Or are they still going to scrutinize this? Uh, you know, I think that as far as the national media, and if we're talking national media, I, I'm hearing the voice of Stephen A. Smith in my head when you say that, because there's the most vocal <laughs> critic in every way there is about Danny Ainge. But it starts with the fundamental, the Danny thing starts with the fundamental misconception that he took over a contending Eastern Conference team, because they had gone of the conference finals two years earlier, and the, the wheels had, were long since put in motion that tore that team apart. Not re-signing everybody that can hear me now, and you guys especially, if you're listening to CelticsBlog.com and you're listening to Celtics Stuff Live, you know all the sequence of events that have happened with Roddy Rogers not coming back, watching the 2001 draft, Ben Baker trade, all of that. Those pieces were all put in place, and he took over a team that was at the end of its mini run. It had been to the final four and the final eight, overachieving on both occasions to get there, and it was a roster that everyone forgets had Ruben Wolkowski, Bruno Shundoff, Grant Long. I mean, this is, you know, Bimbo Cole. This was the 2003 Celtics roster. Had no commodities, no assets. Danny Ainge took over, and this was going to take time. So I think he's been stuck with the fact that he did make the choice, especially after letting Gary Payton and Antoine Walker go, to go down to get better. And he's taken that heat, but he has done in the big picture what he said he wanted to do, three-fourths of it anyway, the fourth and final step, taking the commodities and turning them into star players, and he's done half of that tonight well i think it's uh it's definitely it's definitely intriguing and it and it's going to unfold let me ask you this last question before we let you go how long do you think it will take before something gets consummated do you think you know they're going to take their time or do you think even possibly uh here in the next couple of days we might hear something i i guess i'm of the opinion that you know if danny makes such a trade he's going to want to have somebody you know especially garnett signed to an extension that would indicate sunday would probably be the earliest we'd be able to uh to hear anything for sure you know who knows anymore but i wouldn't hold your breath I, there's no rush the, the gamble here and the gamut really the, the gambit that you're that you're running is that the market for seeing you can no longer make the off to 
Kevin McHale that you could have before this night starts. And the offer the Celtics had on the table was Al Jefferson, Theo Ratliff, Wally Zerbiak, and the number five pick, which we now know is Jeff Green, going to Minnesota for Kevin Garnett and Troy Hudson. That was the offer on the table that Kevin McHale absolutely loved. It was his favorite because it had two commodities he wanted most, which is Al Jefferson and the Theo Ratliff contract. Now you no longer have the pick, you no longer have Wally Zerbiak, and that changes things, so the best you could do is maybe throw Gerald Green in there, maybe throw Sebastian Telfair in there to make the numbers work, uh, you know, depending on something people forget is that the CBA, there was a change made, that the numbers no longer have to come within 15% salary-wise, expanded to 25%, which makes a deal like this more feasible. But what you're hoping is that by Garnett being on the market here, and all these teams trying unsuccessfully to make deals for him, that the market comes down a little bit. Uh, it's a big gamble, uh, because you no longer, you had the best offer for Kevin Garnett. I'm not sure you do anymore, but, you know, we'll see who ends up where tonight. There's so many dominoes still left to fall. Uh, you know, who, who knew he was going to end up in Milwaukee? That's right now it's a tradable commodity because nobody wants him there. He doesn't want to play there. His people don't want him playing there. So all of a sudden, you know, that player is possibly back in place. So you're gambling that the market for Garnett comes down as the summer goes on. And that Kevin Garnett, who said he didn't want to play in Boston, maybe the fact that Paul Pierce and Ray Allen are there makes it a lot more attractive for him. Well, that's, that's definitely the thought is that once you acquire, you know, an all-star veteran, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett maybe starts backing off of that. We sure, we certainly hope so for, for many reasons. Um, I, I'd also hope that, uh, uh, you know, it's it's even possible that Al Jefferson might not even have to be included in that trade, but that's probably a little far-fetched. Scott, Susan, and I were... I think you're... Well, I, I do too, but Scott Susan and I uh, bandied that about a little bit earlier. He's like, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but it's possible. But So we'll see well, how it goes. Uh, what about this? Uh, well, I'll throw this quick one out. Now you have Theo Ratliff and maybe one of the younger players. You're not going to get Kevin Garnett without Al Jefferson, but you might get Andre Kirilenko. Yep, or, or even Paul Gasol maybe? Or is that <laughs> or a stretch? Or Paul Gasol. Uh, yeah, probably you, a you, stretch, you, but hey, you know, Chris Wallace is right for Joseph Forte <laughs> and Keidre Brown and Jamon Williams. You, you, you might get Garnett if, you, if you're willing to throw Pierce out to, to L.A. Um, without giving up Jefferson. Right, that, that scenario, is, you know, it's certainly, that'll be a popular scenario here. Um, you know, the Kobe Kobe is going to hold the league hostage here. That's going to be the next thing that happens. The Garnett thing was fashionable because of the draft coming up and this artificial deadline that the draft creates. Now, everyone will sort of reset their chips. That's what, nothing will happen tomorrow or the next day. It's not about that. Everyone's chips are going to be reset. Everyone sort of fits back and says, all right, here's what's happened with the draft. Here are the new commodities. Here are the new salaries. And you start to look at everything all over again, but the Celtics enter this night in the mix for one of the, you know, if you figure for one of the marquee players that was available. They got a marquee player that was available, and they are still in the market for another one. And that, if you're going by definition of was tonight a success or not, I think you got to feel pretty good. Yeah, well, one thing about the Garnett, uh, don't they have a July 1st deadline before the trade kicker bounces? Uh, yes, but you also can't negotiate the extension until July 1st, so... It's a 2020, yeah. Alright, Sean, just want to thank you for your fine work and for contributing to our show and bringing that to Celtic Stuff Live. It, it does not go unnoticed or unappreciated whatsoever. Well, you know, as I've told you guys a million times, uh, you are speaking to everyone that can hear my voice now. You are the heart and soul of, of this organization. You're the reason we do what we do. So it's the best part about this day and age is that we have all these different media outlets and we can speak to different people different ways. And if I have a big general audience on WEI calling a game, I can speak a little differently, a little more hardcore here with you guys. Uh, it looks like uh, FSN had, uh, for those of you who aren't able to, you're just on the internet right now, they had Frank Hughes on of the, uh, I think it's the Seattle Post, something or other. Anyway, he said that uh, the doctor, the Seattle's doctor told Ray Allen to get as much rest as possible, so he probably hasn't even worked out this summer. Something to that effect. That comes from Mike Marlowe.
Um, I just wanted a quick little shout here. Uh, if there was any, if you were curious as to uh, what how to feel about this trade, Stephen A. Smith and 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 uh, Sam Smith apparently have the definitive word. They are they are pleased with Danny Ainge for making this move. So judge your responses accordingly, Celtics fans. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. He's drinking, drinking, drinking. Let's bring on Eric Pincus. The Lakers are picking as we speak. Looks like they are selecting. You may already know. I'm not sure if what, how. <laughs> Care to take a projection? You know what? At this point, I had I had to. I was at, over at the Clippers, and I got involved with what I was doing there with the Clippers. So you know, I've I've actually missed the last uh, 15 minutes of the draft. So, well, they just took uh, Mark Gasol. I, you know that's that's funny. That's that's if I were to guess, that would have been the guy I was going to say. But uh, you know, I should have said something first. No, Mark Gasol. Well, you know, they want to have brothers on the team, is what I'm saying. So you get, first you get Mark, right? And then you just bring in Powell, and, and you're set, right? It's that simple. <laughs> it's like last year when they got Shimon Williams, who's uh, Kevin Garnett's cousin. So it's just, you know, it, it's all a big master plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, they, they, they seem to have trouble landing the big marquee name, but they're really good at getting the, the family members. That's what I'm finding with the Lakers. It's not like the, the Jerry West years where you got uh, Michael Jackson. Now you're getting Tito Jackson. But, hey, you know, at least you got a Jackson. He's chicken, chicken. We've got Eric Weiss, and he'll, uh, he'll share his thoughts with us now. Eric, thanks for coming back on the show again. You've waited a long time. You got a new player earlier in the night, but now you've got uh, a couple of players picked. We'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, Gabe and also Big Baby. I think everybody's familiar with who Big Baby is. Kind of looks like this is a steal. Why don't you run down both players and tell them what, tell us what it means for other players on the Celtics roster and uh, give us a kind of a scouting report on these guys. Uh, well, first things first with Gabe Crude, who I have a lot more familiarity with in, in some of the uh, intangible areas. He might be a player that came out a little too early. Everyone wanted to jump the uh, O.J. Mayo uh, ship when he signed out with USC, so I think he just bailed uh, a little early. But in terms of his, uh, his upside, is not as not just talent wise, but in terms of uh, those intangibles, I like him very much. He's uh, he's very solid in a couple key areas that you want from a point guard. I don't think he's ever going to be like your your lead player, but he could definitely be a starter facilitating the offense for others. I mean, I think it's a very good value pick, especially with Delonte moving on to Seattle. Uh, you could do a hell of a lot worse than picking up a kid like that. I think he's uh, I think he's going to grow into a very competent very competent starter uh, with time. And certainly a good backup. Um, uh, Glenn Davis is, I think, it's a tremendous value as well. You're talking about a guy that was a potential lottery pick last year, and uh, you know, and now he's in the second round, and um, he's got a lot of qualities to him that uh, that you know that you can't teach. He's, a, he's extremely huge, like a bowling ball, and uh, he actually measured out at six nine in shoes instead of the six seven that a lot of people were thinking. Twelve percent body fat instead of uh, compare that to an Al Jefferson. With 25% when he came in. You're not talking about a guy that's extremely out of shape. He just happens to be a wide body. Uh, he's got to learn to bang a little more and all these other things that we like to say, but we do have a great big man coach and we have, uh, you know, some very physical big men already in Leon Poe and Perkins. And, uh, you know, what What I think is, in terms of what it means to other people on the roster, you know, so be it. And considering there'll probably be another trade, we need all the soldiers we can muster right now. So uh, I like it. 
Win-win. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Why don't, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Celtics tonight, and I think we'll come back to these couple of players and talk a little bit more before we let you go. But, I, you know, one thing we haven't done tonight with any of our guests is really just kind of taking a look at the draft as a whole, some of the things going on around the league with some of the other players, the trades. I know the, the Knicks made a trade. Um, there was also uh, Golden State made a trade to get Brandon Wright and giving up Jason Richardson. Um, I really haven't had a chance. We've been busy here and uh, Celtics stuff central and um you know i really haven't gotten a chance to just sit back and and look what the look at what the draft means and i'm, and I'm sure you haven't really had a chance to soak it all in but um you know i i trust that uh, you've been thinking about this a little bit why don't you give us just an idea of uh, you know how you feel like the night's gone maybe a, a couple of early winners early losers in the draft some picks that you like some picks you didn't like uh, i think san antonio absolutely killed it i, I like marcus williams and Thiago splitter very much and uh you know san antonio you know the risk get richer they do their homework they have a good philosophy they uh they do their they do what they do very well so uh you know i think that they've they've really showed extremely well here seattle clearly has put themselves in a great position to uh, build around uh two excellent plus three excellent players actually i think Devontae west is a is a tremendous talent uh, sam Cressy's had his heart set on him uh for quite some time and uh yeah, Caponin just went Caponin to the Blazers. Just, yeah, he just went to the Blazers. Yeah, they must be making another move. What what I think is, uh, I think a lot of stuff that you're seeing right now is not going to stay as is. You're going to see, uh, you're going to see some movement. This is, uh, you know, this is not a done deal. How do you like the big baby over Josh McRoberts selection for us? I don't know Josh McRoberts as well as I know, uh, or excuse me, I don't know big baby as well as I know Josh McRoberts in terms of, once again, uh, those intangibles. Uh, but I can tell you from what I do know about Josh McRoberts that um, I'd much rather have take my chances on big baby. That's, that's just... Uh, that's just my feeling on things. I think uh, Josh had problems at uh, at Duke, and I think uh, I think Big Baby fits in a lot better. I don't want to call him Big Baby. Glenn Davis fits better in with the personalities that we have on the Celtics, and uh, I think that a guy like McRoberts does. He's not as sociable uh, as a lot of the guys we have. I think I think there's a lot of good. I think uh, Davis will fit right in uh, from a personality perspective, and that counts for a lot when you're looking at getting the best out of somebody. Yeah, I like the. Idea idea of getting some strength i don't think you can have enough uh, bangers and and uh, bruises there and and we have heard an awful lot about his work ethic losing all that weight um you know nobody wants to see uh, another oliver miller or uh, you know that uh, tractor trailer uh, coming into the league and ballooning up to 400 pounds and and davis uh, showed he you know he's he's got the desire and uh, wanted to uh, prove to people you know that he could be an nba player and um people last year were talking about him in the lottery i think that's great did you just say that Kaponen was being traded to Portland? That's right. Yeah, Portland got right. Kaponen. They they have too many point guards. They got to be doing something else. That's right. Because everyone they has took, too many stuff. They took Sergio many, last year, and Sergio yeah. is, is supposedly untouchable over there. They love him. Yeah, they and they have Jack, Jared Jack and now they have Kaponen. It's an all point guard fest, but uh, it's probably pretty smart because they become a major player in a lot of discussions when you got talent like that. I mean, those guys haven't manifested yet completely. I think uh, Jared Jack has definitely had some value around the league. Uh, and all those guys are pretty intriguing. I know a lot of people want to position themselves to move. 
some of this stuff has to do with paying first-round money. You, like, let somebody else pay, you know, all these guys in the second round, it's much easier to negotiate contracts that are, uh, you know, that are cash positive for uh, for these teams. And I think there's going to be a lot of movement in the next few days. Like I said, you know, KG still hasn't moved, and until that shoe drops, we're not going to see a lot of the, the other peripheral moves. But there's a lot of stuff to be done in this offseason. You know, the draft is uh, just one night, and it's uh, pretty much the beginning of, of a lot of activity that you'll see in July. The next two weeks between now and July 15th, there should be a hell of a lot more rumors uh, you know, with more substantiality than there has been thus far. Let me ask you about Mark Gasol, because he's still available, uh, you know, for, for being picked up. You know, is he kind of a name, or does he have some potential uh, in the league? You know, is he just is he Paul's brother, or is he a potential player? Uh, he's potentially Paul's brother, I believe. Uh, I, I might, I need to check my references on that one, but, uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's much more than a name, but he's got some skill. I mean, he's not a complete doofus, but, uh, you know, I think he's a little, I don't know, I'm overrated when a guy hasn't been drafted by 38 or whatever, but I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't go after him. I think they've done pretty good, and the fellas are clearly going to make a move. Now they're front court heavy all of a sudden, which is interesting. Uh, in terms of his bodies, at least. And you don't draft a kid like Glenn Davis, you know, for no reason. You're going to make uh, gonna make some moves. So uh, let's see what this team does. I think they got one more trick up their sleeve. Uh, they're stockpiling talent. And uh, I think we can charge into next year pretty well if the dealer, you know, is able to make one more deal. There's there's still a great deal of, okay, what's the other shoe to drop here? What is the next step? Who are they going to go after in free agency, if anyone? Who are they going to be looking at in trades? You know, and I think... As generally as a Celtics fan, I'm I'm asking those questions, and you know I, I don't know how many answers they can give for the next two days, but you know certainly Sunday some things will start to come to light. I would imagine. Yeah, well, I'm gonna just go with my uh, optimism instead of my professionalism and say that they're <laughs> gonna make this KG deal, and then there's no more Al Jefferson uh, there, and then you've got uh, your three big man rotation, you got Big Baby coming off the bench behind Perkins, well, and there you go. Is there any chance that they could wind up securing? Garnett without giving up Jefferson. Is that just a complete pipe no, dream? No. Or? That's, that's, that's a pipe dream. Absolutely okay. pipe. There's enough other stuff being, you know, listed out there that uh, it just has like they have no options. They're not going to go, oh, okay, we're just going to take Gerald Green. No, that's not going to happen. So it just has everything to do with the fact that apparently Kevin McHale is absolutely in love with Big Al Jefferson. Oh, he should be. I'm in love with Big Al Jefferson. <laughs> I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't trade him for no reason either. I was adamant against that trade when it was just uh, KG Pierce, but all of a sudden you have a Ray Allen and you have enough pieces around. You don't need that much. Look at San Antonio's roster. How many of those guys do you really take? You know, we always sit here and get in these areas, oh, well, this guy and that guy and whatever guy. Championship teams, you need three main guys, and you need guys that are smart and don't make mistakes. I'll take Perkins and Gomes and Leon Poe and whatever. You know, Rajon Rondo. I mean, I would think they would have to address the point guard issues, but whatever. I'll take my chances with some smart, young, simple role players and three phenomenal Hall of Fame talents. I think that you can win a title with that. Well, uh, me... It's not a guarantee, but I, I take my chances. How does this affect Kendrick Perkins? Because, you know, he kind of came in with Al Jefferson. They've been buddies. I know Kendrick is a professional and he's going to play hard, but I would think that he's going to meet uh he's going to miss Al 
big time if this trade were to go down. Um, you know, and he did just sign a pretty, you know, a pretty, I guess, you know, depending on which side you're on, um, it did look like it was kind of a rebate kind of a deal to stay in Boston and, uh, you know, a little long-term extension. I think it averaged out at $4 million a year or something. And, um, you know, do you think he's going to be, you know, really upset? Is he going to be kind of a disgruntled player? Do you think he's going to be looking to, to move out of Boston? Or do you think he just rolls with the punches and, uh, you know, is just lucky and feeling lucky to be on a, a potentially championship contending team? Well, you know, as they say, it's a business, and uh, that's the way it is. And I don't think Perk's got that much leverage. I don't think he's demanding anything. And, uh, you know, if you want to be optimistic about stuff, you know, uh, maybe having Perkins somehow brings Jefferson back before his career is over, you know, down the line. Maybe, you know, four years from now after Kevin Garnett is just about to retire and you have a million dollars, you know, a billion dollars coming off your cap, you know, uh, Jefferson will be a free agent and, hey, maybe he comes back. (laughs) Best of both worlds. You you just made every every, uh, fan in Boston (laughs) comfortable with the Garnett trade thinking in the back of their mind that, um, you know, Jefferson might come back. And you know what? That actually isn't, that is a decent possibility if you think about it. So, um, you know, yeah, let's let's keep as many Al Jefferson friends as we can in Boston and then see what happens if uh, if he does get traded. This concludes part two of the Celtic Stuff Live 2007 Draft Night Revisited. Join us tomorrow for the third and final episode featuring commentary from members of the new media that night, including Alex from Celtics 247, Loyalist, Thomas Halzik, Patrick Gilroy, Fabio Anderlei, and Elrod Enchilada from Real GM. And of course, the last-minute, late-night interview from Mike Gorman that closed out the evening in spectacular fashion on his drive home from the Garden. 